These are readings from the book of Proverbs. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is overthrown. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. Whoever says to the wicked, you are in the right, will be cursed by peoples, abhorred by nations. But those who rebuke the wicked will have delight, and a good blessing will come upon them. Whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perversiveness in it breaks the spirit. Gracious words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. With patience a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. Whoever belittles his neighbour lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good it is. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body, like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is like a reprover to a listening ear. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and acts and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Uh, that's what we're going to be looking at this morning, all those uh, wonderful, pithy, sometimes humorous sayings. All them come from the book of Proverbs in the Bible. Uh, and if you know anything about the book of Proverbs, you'll know that the, the big aim, the big purpose of that book is to teach God's people how to live wisely. The book of Proverbs is all about commending wisdom in life. Uh, and wisdom for the author of Proverbs, the author was King Solomon. Wisdom for, for Solomon was not just about how do I make the right decisions in life, though that is a large part of wisdom. Wisdom's about learning to live properly in God's world. 
It's about learning to live under the reality that God is God and that we are finite human beings created by him. That's why all throughout the book of Proverbs, the kind of key principle that undergirds all these sayings and all the wisdom in it is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You see that time and time again throughout Proverbs, having a right understanding of who God is and who we are in relation to him. That is the foundation of all wisdom. Now, what we're going to do is um, we're doing a kind of case study into some of the key themes in Proverbs. Proverbs is an exegetical preacher's nightmare because uh, all the little sayings are random and usually unrelated to each other. So what we're going to do over the next few weeks, I don't know if this is a good thing to do, I don't know if this is wise, um, but I've certainly found it helpful, is we're going to gather some of the big themes that we see throughout Proverbs uh, and kind of study these themes. So what I've done uh, is I've gathered all the, the Proverbs together on speech, because this is perhaps one of the biggest themes that we see throughout Proverbs, the theme of speech. I've gathered them together, put them there on your service sheet, and actually there's quite a bit more than that, but uh, these are all the ones that I could um, fit on to the sheet. And I really think that this is going to be hugely beneficial. I love Proverbs. Um, I'm hoping that we'll love it, and maybe we can convince Robin to do some more uh, sermon stuff on Proverbs. Um, and I'm very excited because I, I think that this is one of the books that's often neglected by the church. It's quite a difficult book, um, but it's one of the books that's so, uh, so necessary to live in life as a Christian. So many people have benefited and been helped by the wisdom in this book. And as we look at this big theme of speech and what we say, can I just say that if if Chalmers Church as a whole was a place, and, and I hope it is this, but if it was a place where there was wise speech, it would be a wonderful place to be. To go into a place with all these people, knowing that they're going to speak wisely, they're going to encourage you, knowing that there's no gossip or insults or slander, that's a great community to be a part of. So I hope that as we look at some of these Proverbs, I really hope it's going to get under your skin. I hope some of you will feel slightly discouraged by some of the stuff that we see because the standard of wisdom in speech is very high in the book of Proverbs. And I've been really challenged looking at this, but I hope we'll also be encouraged by the hope that the gospel gives us and how that shapes our speech to be profoundly different. So, if you look at your sheet, you see I've got, uh, on your service sheet, I've got an outline, which is what I want to look at this morning. Uh, and here's, here's three questions I want to ask about wise speech that I think the book of Proverbs helps us with. Firstly, why does wise speech matter? Secondly, what does it look like? And thirdly, how do we do it? So why does it matter? What does it look like? And how do we do it? Firstly then, why does it matter? Why is there this huge emphasis in the book of Proverbs about what we say? And simply put, it's because our words, our speech, has tremendous power. Tremendous power. Look at the first three Proverbs on your sheet there. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. But by the mouth of the wicked, it is overthrown. So speech can overthrow cities. That's what Solomon's telling us. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And listen to this one. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it 
will eat its fruits. There is a power in what we say that, that can build up, that can destroy, a power that can hurt or a power that can heal, a power that can even bring life or a power that can kill. Words have a tremendous bearing and power upon us. They can have a, 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 a real destructive impact on you as an individual. Words can destroy us, literally. They can destroy us physically. Literally, words can kill. Think of the uh, impassioned speeches of, of Adolf Hitler in which he managed to convince thousands, hundreds of thousands of people in the cause of the Nazi party. Or think about people who have been tormented by so much verbal abuse that they have taken their own lives. It's not unheard of. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. That's why there's so many proverbs on this issue. But it's not just physically, emotionally, words can be destructive. Proverbs 12:18 describes rash words as being like sword thrusts. When someone insults you, when someone makes fun of you, when someone makes that, that patronizing, belittling comment, it's like being hit with a sword. You, you can take the sword away, you can take the words away, but the wounds that it leaves lingers on. What people say to you, what people say about you, it really matters. It really does matter. And there's a kind of lie in our, in our narcissistic culture that says, you don't need to listen to what others say about you. All you need to do is listen to what you say about you. Can, can we just be honest? That's, that's not true. That's nonsense. What others say about us matters to us, and it does affect us. People can pierce your heart with words and cause real damage. Gossip, insults, and slander do more damage, perhaps, than any other physical ailment. And as well as being damaging physically, as well as being damaging emotionally, words have the power to be damaging communally. Cities have been overthrown by the power of the tongue. And I'm sure that's true. I've not seen, I've not seen cities overthrown by careless speech, but I'm sure that's true. Um, but I have seen churches, I have seen churches destroyed through careless speech and through unwise gossip. It devastates communities. This is why God hates, he hates the misuse of our speech. In fact, it's not on your sheet there, but in Proverbs chapter 6, there is a list of seven things that God finds detestable, and over half of those things are to do with what we say. Now, interesting, God hates the misuse of our speech because speech is powerful, but as well as having the power to destroy, it has the power to exalt, it has the power to heal, and it has the power to give life. Look, sometimes, just going up and speaking to someone can have a real impact on them, an impact that they will never forget. I've seen that again, just thinking in the context of a church, I've seen that happen. When I ask you know, some people, why did you start coming here? Why did you start coming to Chalmers? Well, it was because so-and-so came and spoke to me the first time. It's because they made me feel welcomed, because they spoke to me. Words are powerful when encouragement is offered, when, when advice is given, when truth is declared, it can restore, it can heal, and it can help so many people. We, we need words. 
We need them. We need speech. That's why if you've ever been on the receiving end of the silent treatment, you know that you have done something wrong. And the person who's given you that silent treatment, or if you've ever given it, there is bitterness towards the other person because we need words. They are powerful and we need them. And what we say as Christians really does matter. Not only do we, do we seek to, to love others by caring for them, but we, we seek to tell them about Jesus. We have the words of life, the words that bring eternal life. You know, there's that very silly saying that talks about preach the gospel and sometimes use words. That's not true. The gospel is proclaimed through words and our actions give authenticity to the words that we speak. See, do you see now why there is so much in Proverbs about wise speech? We're dealing with something that's, that's extremely powerful. What you say, it matters to God. It matters because our relationships are shaped by our speech. If we are to do that fundamental biblical ethic, which is to love our neighbor as ourselves, then that will often be seen in what we say to them and about them. And it matters because speech is a powerful tool that if we misuse it, can destroy people and misrepresent the name of God. Whereas if we use it wisely, it can build people up and exalt the name of God. God cares about what we say. So secondly then, that's why it matters. What does it look like? What does it look like to have good, wise, biblical speech? That's the second question we've got to ask ourselves. How can we speak in a way that pleases God? You can see on your sheet what I've done is I've tried to, I think there's kind of four key themes that we see throughout the speech proverbs in the book of Proverbs, and I've arranged them there for you as we look through them. And by the way, as we look at this, if you're here and you're a Christian, I want you to imagine that just over the past few weeks, you had a kind of secret tape recorder around your neck that was recording everything that you had said. Uh, And I want you to kind of imagine playing that back and holding it up to what the book of Proverbs says about what our speech should be like. And I think, like me, you should find that very challenging. So firstly then, why speech is to be careful speech? Why speech is to be careful speech? When words are many, transgression is not lacking. This is a difficult proverb for a preacher. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. You'll know that the moments, the moments where you have said something that you really regret and that you really wish you could take back, nine times out of ten there have been comments that have just been made off the cuff or comments that have been made in the heat of anger when you just spoke in, impulsively. And, and learning to kind of, to rein in, learning to, to, to restrain your tongue, even if you're convinced that I, I'm absolutely right, that other person's wrong, I, I'm totally in the right, even if you're convinced, learning to, to hold back and to think very carefully about what you say in response to someone, that is an extremely wise approach to speech. And this, I think, this needs to be applied in our modern era, not just to verbal communication, but it needs to be applied to email, and it needs to be especially applied to things like social media and Facebook. If you're angry with someone, if you feel someone's just been, they're being totally unreasonable, and your emotions are heating up, that is the worst time to send an email, 
Don't send them an email. In responding to people, taking time just to, to think about what you say makes all the difference. And sometimes the best thing for you to do in those situations, sometimes the best thing is just to say nothing. That's what Proverbs says. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. I love that one. I love 18 verse 6 as well. A fool's lip Walks, lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. Do you know that guy? I know that guy. Um, I've been out with that guy and it's not fun. Um, but well, we've got to be careful that that's not us because few well thought out words are better than many. It's hard for me because we, I am, as we would say in Scotland, a blether. So this is challenging stuff. But if you're careful and if you take time to think about what you're going to say you avoid foolish talk. And why is that helpful? Because it avoids potentially damaging and destructive situations that can be beyond repair. If you're tempted to respond to someone who you feel is wrong or out of hand, think about, think about it before you speak to them. Think about what can I say that will not just justify myself because we, unwise speech is all about exalting ourselves and, and wanting to defend our pride. But don't think about that. Think about what can I say that is genuinely going to help that person. Proverbs 18 verse 2. Listen to what they're saying. Proverbs 18 verse 2. This is a great proverb. This should be the subtitle for Facebook. Because Facebook is the cesspit of careless speech. So if you use Facebook, think about Proverbs 18 verse 2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, only in expressing his opinion. Boy, that's the proverb our generation desperately needs to hear. No pleasure in understanding, just expressing their opinions. So listen to what others are saying. Respond where appropriate. Sometimes it's best just to keep quiet be careful. Is what you're going to say, is that going to help that other person? It's a good question to think about. When I respond to that person, did I show them what Jesus expected of me, which was to love my neighbor as myself? Did I show them that and what I said to them? Secondly, why speech is to be honest speech. Being careful, it doesn't mean being a pushover. Um, there are times where we just got to be straight, where you've got to be honest with people. Uh, honesty is one of the key hallmarks of wise speech. Now look at Proverbs twelve twenty two, that first one there. Look how strong the language is that is used there. What does God feel about lying, about little white lies, about little distortions of the truth? It's an abomination to him. And in fact, it's really interesting. I, I did this. I looked up um, the phrase abomination to the Lord uh, in the book of Proverbs and Bible Gateway. I looked up where else it's used. And it's always used in the case of deceptiveness uh, uh, and lying speech. It's used in the case of deceptiveness and speaking falsely. And notice that it doesn't say here, okay, some lies are okay. This is kind of one of these sins, uh, one author called respectable sins that we think it's okay to do. Hey, it's not murder. Well, Proverbs is saying that it's an abomination to God when you lie. In fact, we we might not even outright lie. We might just deliberately distort or we might uh, withhold the truth when we say things. Well, it was technically true. I mean, that's just, you know what you're doing there. 
distorting the facts. It's the same thing. It, it, it's, dis, it's dishonest. It's shameful. And why is, it, why, why is there such strong um, language against lying, against being dishonest? Because ultimately, it's satanic. This is the devil's tactic. He is the liar. He is the deceiver. This has been his tactic right from the foundations of the world. You see that way back at the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis. He lies and and he takes some truths and he distorts them and twists them. And his lies created a wedge between man and God. And when we lie to each other, we create a wedge between each other. A dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. Lies are poison to relationships. They kill friendships. They wreak havoc in marriages. But being honest doesn't just mean, it doesn't just mean, I think, that we don't lie to people. Being honest means we are willing, we're necessary, and we're appropriate to point out the wrong that others are doing. But We have to do it. We have got to take all these problems together. We do that with the carefulness that we've seen, and we do that with the gentleness that we'll see in the following Proverbs. Being honest is being telling people when they're doing stuff that's wrong. Proverbs 24, verse 24, whoever says to the wicked, you are in the right, will be cursed by peoples, abhorred by nations. But those who rebuke the wicked will have delight, and a good blessing will come upon them. You know, we tend to think that the only way now in this culture that we can be nice to people is if we affirm everything that they believe. That's not true. There are times where people are doing stuff that is wrong, And if we're to be honest about what we believe, we have to tell them. With all wisdom, we have to tell them. And Christians have bottled it on so many biblical issues because they're afraid that they might offend. They have gone even so far as to declare right what God has declared wrong. That is not wise. That's just dishonest. And this is something, again, thinking about the context of the church, the community of God's people, we have to be especially aware of. If you see a brother or sister in Christ who is doing something wrong, you have to tell them. You know, sometimes, this is, wisdom's not, it's not binary, it's not like law. Sometimes you might have to be quiet and somebody else might have to tell them. Sometimes it's not appropriate for you to tell them. Sometimes you may need to hold back. But if there's someone that you know you truly care for, you have to tell them when they're doing things that it's wrong. And let me tell you, it's a great thing as someone who's been on the edge, at the end of rebukes many times. um, It's a great thing to have someone that you know is not going to flatter you, but it's just going to tell you things straight. And they do so with all carefulness and with all gentleness. And that's where we get our third point. That honesty has to go hand in hand. It has to go hand in hand with the carefulness and with the third point, gentleness. Why speech is gentle speech. Uh, It's hard to convey gentleness through... Uh, the way, sorry, the way you speak to people is so important. Um, this, is, this is why I think emails, uh, and Facebook, social media, they're not the best way to communicate, and certainly not if you're trying to be honest with them, because it's really hard to, to read tone into text. It's really hard to, to, to convey gentleness through writing. You need to speak to people face-to-face. And if there's someone who, is, who you feel has just been angry with you, for no good reason, then it's not so much what you say in response that can help them, but the way that you respond to them. 
can be immensely helpful. Look at Proverbs 15, verse 1. It's a great proverb. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh answer stirs up anger. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. And my experience is when it comes to to honesty and gentleness is that we struggle to find that balance. So you've got people that are all for honesty and all for truth-telling, and they tend to go headlong in and tell people everything that's wrong with them, and they do so very carelessly and without any gentleness and without any compassion and kindness. But then on the other hand, you can have people that are very gentle, very kind, uh, and careful of what they say, but they don't speak honestly to people because they're worried that it might offend or that it might cause hurt. And what Proverbs is saying is you've got to have both of those. You've got to be honest, but you've got to be gentle and kind and compassionate. And here's how, uh, I was thinking, what, what would that look like? Well, here's how you would know if you were gentle and honest with what you said. It would be if the person said about you, you know, I don't agree with what they said, but they have treated me with such kindness and love that I know it was painful for them to tell me. See, a person who's honest and yet gentle and kind and caring about the other person will really struggle to point out stuff that's wrong. It would be painful to tell them to rebuke people. So don't underestimate the power of gentle speech. The way we speak is so powerful. Gentleness can make words of honesty sweet words of healing. Proverbs sixteen twenty four. gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. But they can also be, it's not just that, that they're kind and gentle to people's ears, they can also be the most powerful form of persuasion and the best way to break through a hard heart. With patience, a ruler may be persuaded and a soft tongue can break a bone. So fourthly, finally, why speech builds others up. By the way, if you realize how, when we're talking about speech here, what we're kind of looking at is how we interact and relate to others. Um, this kind of seems to be the key thing that's undergirding all uh, speech and all these proverbs that we see here. Uh, and speech is, like I was saying, one of the best ways to gain if we really are loving our neighbor as ourselves. Um, you know, uh, um, we talk about how we talked about at the start how powerful words can be and how they can have the power to really encourage and to really build someone up but they can also really devastate people and one of the most devastating ways to tear someone down is by slander or by gossip so proverbs says whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense But a man of understanding remains silent. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. But he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. Look, we love gossip. We love gossip. We live in a culture that feeds on gossip. And it's hard. It's hard if you're in the staff room. It's hard if you're in the office. It's hard if everyone round about you is talking about someone else or something else. It's hard not to join in. It's hard because it's everywhere. And, and as I was saying at the start, it's devastating in, in a church. You know, we're singing praises to God. With our, with our tongues, we are singing, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. And in the car, on the way home, 
were saying things like, did you see so-and-so today, or I can't believe what they said to me, or I find that person really irritating. You know, if you've got nothing upbuilding to say about another person, then don't say anything. Think before you speak, even if it's just to your spouse. Just think before you speak, because we do love gossip. Proverbs 18, verse 8, the words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. See, gossip is like a Pringle. That's the Andy Robertson version of that proverb. Gossip's like a Pringle. Once you pop, you can't stop. You've got to have more. It's delicious. It's tasty. It's going right down inside me. I want more. I want more. I want more. And that's why if you hear gossip and slander, if you hear it at work in the family, families are, are, are places of real gossip, aren't they? If you hear it in your family, if you hear it with your friends, don't join in, not in the self-righteous, look at me, I'm not gossiping way, but, but don't, don't join in. Don't try the appetizer. Don't try it. Because it's detestable to God. Utterly detestable. How, how dare we speak ill of those who have been made by God in his image and those who are loved by him? It doesn't matter if, if they're wrong or if they're a horrible person. It doesn't matter. There's no excuse for gossip here. God hates gossip. He hates ridicule. And here's the thing. If we don't start to hate what God hates, because it is like a delicious morsel, if we don't start to hate it, not only will we begin to tolerate it, but we'll begin to love it. This is a big sin. We need to be wary of it. And speak to myself. Speech is for building others up. That's the power of speech. Use it. I feel like a superhero. Use this power for good. For good. Use it to encourage people, to build them up. Oh, the gift of encouragement. It's such a great thing, and it's one of the big things that it's lacking. Encourage them. Speak to, speak to newcomers when they come into the church. Speak to them. Encourage them. Speak to them about about what was said in the sermon. Speak to them about themselves. Encourage people around about you with kind words. Speak the scripture. Speak the gospel into their lives. Offer advice where appropriate. Because it's a great thing to have someone that's going to speak to you just when you need it. That's what Proverbs says. An apt answer is a joy to a man and a word in season. How good it is. Look at this one, like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. It's great to have someone who's going to look out for you and speak to you and reprove you where necessary. We need words. We need others to talk to us. And when the right word comes to that person, just at the right time, it's one of the most sweetest and beautiful things that can happen. So precious. So here's our final, most important question, much briefer. How do we do this? <laughs> Go and do likewise. That would not be very helpful, would it? Um, how, how do we do this? Well, actually, it is helpful to think. At the end of each day, try this this week. Ask yourselves, was I careful in what I said today? Should I have kept quiet? Was I honest with people? Did I not shy away from the truth? Was I gentle with others or was I aggressive and harsh? Did I engage in the gossip and slander of someone? Or was I actively trying to build people up with what I say? Good questions to think and good questions to ask at the end of each day. But let me tell you this. This is really key. This is really important. Willpower alone will not have the ability to change your speech. 
to be like this. It won't. Might get you so far, but willpower, mere willpower, will not have the ability to change your speech. The book of Proverbs is not interested in moralism. This is not good advice for everyone. This is advice for God's people. So we need the right words to say to others. We need ourselves to hear the right words. How do we do it? Well, look, there's a clue in the book of Proverbs. These final two Proverbs, key clue. Keep your heart with all vigilance, Solomon says, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Solomon knew, the Bible authors knew, that if our speech really is to be radically changed to being wise, there needs to be a fundamental heart change within us. In fact, this is what Jesus says. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12. This is just where we'll close. Matthew 12, it's on page 817 of the Black Bibles, in verse 33. Matthew 12, verse 33. This is Jesus speaking. Either make the tree good and its fruit bad, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's like Proverbs. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. It's out of the heart that the mouth speaks. So why do we, why do we lie? Why do people lie? Why do people insult others? Why do people spread gossip and make fun of others because there is something in us deep down there is a deep-rooted problem that is fundamentally wrong there is a rottenness at the core of every human being that seeks to exalt themselves even at the cost of others and to exalt themselves especially above god it's a deep-rooted problem. It's a heart problem, and it's a problem that we cannot change. But it's that problem that Jesus came not only to expose like he does here in Matthew 12, but he came to fix it, to change it. Jesus, hasn't, Jesus doesn't care about you being nice. He hasn't come to make us moral people. As C.S. Lewis said, Jesus didn't come to make nice people. He came to make new people He's come to change our hearts, to make it completely different. And that is what he does for us. As he died on the cross, he takes the punishment for our sin, the punishment for every abominable act of speech that we have ever uttered. Jesus pays the price. He cleanses us from all our sin, removes all the punishment we deserve, and gives us a new heart with new desires. How do you know you've got that? Well, you have a desire now to speak and to live for Jesus. That's the sign of somebody that's got a new heart. So if we are to be wise in what we say, it's not just about us trying. We need to first of all look to Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh. The book of Proverbs, you want to see what that looks like in real life? It's Jesus. He is wisdom personified. 
Look at how he speaks in the gospel. He spent his entire ministry speaking to people, building them up with his words. And yet when he was on trial, he did not open his mouth, but he kept silent, even though there was unjust and unfair insults and accusations hurled at him. He kept silent. There was never anyone who was so brutally honest with his speech as he called out the religious establishment for their hypocrisy and their lies. You brood of vipers, he called them. And yet there was never anyone so gentle and kind that even the little children would run to him. A man whose words literally brought healing and life. A man who is the word sent from God, the communication of who God is. Look to him, but not just to example. Look to what he has done for you. This is the gospel. Look at what he has done to your sin. This is how the gospel changes your speech. By your words, you will be justified. What does it mean? It means, as the Apostle Paul says, that if you believe with your heart and you confess with your tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. Because the most important thing that will come off any of our lips is Jesus, I trust you. I confess that I have done wrong. You are Lord, please forgive me. And the answer always, 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 always to the Christian is forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. And when you know that, that you're always accepted, with the more that you get that, that he has done that for you, you've not done anything, that grace, that wonderful grace, the more you get that Jesus always accepts you, regardless of how foolish and careless we can be with our talk, the more you'll be shaped to speak like Jesus. Moralism, just trying to be good, that makes you a slave to your performance. But this grace, this this undeserved and unconditional love of Jesus, that gives you, that frees you to love others. It frees you to fail but keep on trying, and it frees you to speak words of life and healing. The gospel is what you need to speak wisely. So delve deeper into that truth and your speech will be more like the speech of Proverbs. It's the only way. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful book. Father, we come and as your church we confess that we have sinned in our speech. We confess as individuals that we have sinned in our speech. Father, have mercy this past week for when we have engaged in gossip when we have been deceptive, when we have not sought to build others up with what we say. Forgive us, please. And we thank you that with Jesus, there's always forgiveness. We thank you because we know we're so foolish. We don't want to be. And we praise you for the new heart that you have given us with these new desires. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to be wise in our speech. Help us to think very carefully about what we say. Help us to be honest and not shy away from truth. Help us to be gentle and kind and compassionate with our words. And help us to build others up and show them the love of Jesus through what we say. Father, we need your help with this because we cannot do this alone. And we thank you that we have your Holy Spirit to help us be more like your son, Jesus. And may this church be a church in which there is wise speech. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.